Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at Patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. Um, and I'd like to take a moment to. I'd like to take. Let me say that again. I'd like to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Jeff Whitman, Philip Barker, and Michael Cross. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. Um, and you know, if you do sign up for our Patreon, you do get bonus episodes, which have like a weekly roundup of what I'm watching, as well as interviews where we talk about various shows. Right now, we're talking about Marvel What If. So if that's up your alley, check us out. Um, and if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Well, I've got a familiar voice on the podcast. I have Danny Hercules. Say hi, Danny. Hi, Danny. <laughs> and uh, you've been on the on the uh, podcast a couple of times. We've talked about a couple movies. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit in case someone hasn't heard those yet? Okay, I'm Danny Hercules. I am a writer. I've written many screenplays. Some of them have been optioned with major talent attached, but we never got them produced. Uh, I've also written a musical that was performed at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. I was the president and co-founder of San Diego Filmmakers, and I was on the board of directors at Scriptwriters Network in Los Angeles. And here's a little fun piece of trivia that's good for this week. Um, I was a judge at a student film festival called Best Fest, and the winner of that festival, who was the best of the fest, every year that I was the judge, was a student, a film student at San Diego State University named Destin Daniel Cretton, who currently has the number one movie at the box office. Wow, very cool. The, you That's know a great I'm fact. Talking about. Yep, Shang-Chi. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so cool. I love that. Very exciting to watch his career grow from film school. Yeah, that's that's a rare vantage point. That's really cool. Well, Danny, you know, my guest always picks the movie. So what movie did you choose to talk about today? Well, this is my third time on and all my movies seem to have a theme. Yeah, all I noticed that. The, <laughs> all three of them have been original movies not based on existing IP. They all have one-word titles, and they were all later adapted to Broadway musicals. The first one was Xanadu, and then Elf, and now we're going to talk about Waitress. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, there's a musical aspect to all these. <laughs> um, I was like, I see why he chose this. So um, Waitress came out in 2007. Right. And this is actually my first time seeing it. I oh. knew about the Broadway play more than I knew about the movie. Because whenever I would like buy tickets, you know, I've, I've bought tickets a couple of times to a couple of Broadway shows over the years, um, or, you know, here in Dallas. Um, but <clears throat> every time I did, Waitress would be like one of the options, you know. So mm -hmm. I kind of I saw the posters, but I didn't really know what it was about. So when I watched this, I was surprised that the movie, you know, came first, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk more about the musical later, I guess. <clears throat> For sure. So you, never, you didn't see the musical? No, I haven't seen the musical. I've, I've, mm. to be honest, I haven't seen that many musicals. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen like Les Mis and uh, Jersey Boys and maybe a couple others, but I don't go often, so that's probably why. Um, and so, but I, but it, like I said, I kept seeing the ads for it. So I was like, I knew it was fairly popular because it keeps circulating when I'm like looking through the tickets that I'm buying, you know? 
Okay. Yeah, it was it was really good. The songs were all written by Sarah Bareilles. Uh, and there's there's a cast album out there, but there's also a separate album with Sarah Bareilles doing all the songs called What's Inside. And so if you just want to hear the songs, I'm sure you can find it on Spotify. And oh, cool. uh, it's, it's really worth listening to. It's, uh, it's a good musical. It's not the movie. The movie, I think, is better, but that's just me. So. <laughs> well, um, so talk a little bit about your history with this movie. Like, when did you first see it? You know, what, what drew you to this film initially? I'm pretty sure. I remember seeing it at a matinee in Del Mar. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw it as part of a, a curated series like uh, the Cinema Society of San Diego, I think it was. So I didn't necessarily pick it. I didn't say, gee, I got to see this movie about a waitress. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I would have chosen it. I don't know that I would have thought that I would have liked it. But of course, when I saw it, I remember just just walking out of the theater very uplifted. Uh, it's a very hopeful movie. It's got a very, uh, it has some dark tones to it as well, but it's mm-hmm. still very hopeful. And I remember walking out just feeling, uh, I wish that there was a pie diner across the street that we could all go to and, and talk about the movie over a slice of pie. And I heard other people kind of saying the same thing. I, I got that vibe from the rest of the audience as well. Yeah, it definitely makes you crave pie. I yeah. can attest to that. Um, and I love pie. I'm I'm a pie over cake person. So I oh, I think, you know, I really liked that aspect of the movie. And and I agree with you. Like, I, honestly, had you not chosen it, I don't know if I would have gone out of my way to see it. The, the title didn't necessarily grab yeah. me. And so I was kind of not knowing what to expect. But I think as you watch it, it, it becomes more complicated and interesting as you go along. Um, it's a really interesting way to tell this story. And before I go too much further, I do want to mention we will talk spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie before, I recommend that you pause here, go watch it. And if you're still with us, here is the synopsis. So here's a synopsis for Waitress. Jenna works in a diner in a small southern town and is a genius at creating luscious desserts, but her marriage to an overbearing lout makes happiness impossible. When she discovers she's pregnant, she makes plans to skip town before her condition is obvious. However, she begins an affair with the new town doctor, who is the only one who knows her secret. And it gets more complicated from there. <laughs> <laughs> that, like I read the description and then watched the movie and I'm like, Kind of. A lot happens. Um, and, and I wanted to mention, so Danny, you sent me, you you actually wrote a, a book about this movie, yeah. right? I wrote a series of ebooks uh, on screenwriting. Um, it's called Script Tips. And what they are is, you know, a lot of screenwriting books uh, talk about having a formula that every movie has to fit. And they'll say that, you know, every script must have this on page 12 and that on page 20. And I don't particularly subscribe to that theory. So what I set out to do was write a series of books where each one was going to analyze one script from scene by scene, kind of like this podcast. Well, you know, we don't really go scene by scene, but, um, (laughs) and uh, just talk about the, what decisions the writer might've made, why they might've made them, why those uh, choices work for that script, how they might work in your script and so forth. And when I came up with the idea, I waitress was the first one I picked, not because I thought anybody, you know, I knew nobody had heard of it, but <laughs> I picked it more, you know, to do as a proof of concept. If I was going to spend time working on something like this, that wasn't going to go anywhere. At least I'd pick something that I really liked and that I really enjoyed. Um, so it'd be a fun two weeks for me. And what I found was, uh, you know, I, I didn't really think that this fit any kind of a formula. It did feel more like kind of a slice of life kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But as I analyzed it, I saw that it really does follow the uh, Joseph Campbell hero's journey, you know, monomyth structure and, and in ways that I wouldn't had not expected. Well, I will say the biggest, I started reading your book um, before we were recording, which I wish I had done this the opposite way because I, I did some research and then I'm reading your book and it, it's it's right there. I could have just read your book first. So apologies for that. But um, you included a lot of really interesting uh, facts that we're definitely going to cover. But, you know, one thing that I noticed about this movie is that 
I kind of had to digest it a little bit because there's some things that happen that I think are very, you, you mentioned in your book that, that this is around a time of talking about unwanted pregnancies on film. And I think that she's really exploring the, the, the writer director, Adrian Shelley is really exploring some complex situations that women might find themselves in, you know, we we th- um it's a very polarized topic to talk about unwanted pregnancies obviously um especially right now and and i think that people have this perception that it's very cut and dry you know um i think with juno which you mentioned um you know she's a teenager and i think pretty much anybody can understand why that would be a bad situation to be pregnant in um but i think a woman that's married uh that's a little bit harder for people to understand if they have an unwanted pregnancy. And so I feel like the writer was trying to discuss, you know, different situations that women might find themselves in and why, you know, do they want to have a baby or not is more complicated, how it's not always, I don't want to have children. You know, maybe it's more about the timing about the situation that they're in about their financial status, you know, all those things. And so I realized that at the end of watching it, that it was more complicated than I initially thought. Cause you know, a part of me, you know, this is me inserting my own thoughts into the movie, but I'm like, if she doesn't want to be in this situation, why can't she just exit it? But the movie does kind of explore some reasons why. And I think it does a good job of, of, you know, sort of answering those questions. And I think in 2007, uh, I think it's even more taboo than the now to, you know, like, I don't think there's a world where we would watch this movie where she would have had possibly an abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think in 2007, you know, studios would have been like, okay, that's an automatic. Everyone will hate this movie. Whereas maybe (laughs) now people would be more receptive to understanding the situation the character's in. And I think that's part of why she has the baby in the movie. And then obviously the other reason is because, Adrian Shelley was pregnant when she was writing this. Um, And I think she was trying to put herself in other people's shoes. Like what are the different situations that women are in where maybe they don't want to be pregnant, you know? And so not necessarily saying you don't want to have a baby, but you don't want to be in that situation at that time. Oh gosh. And my phone. (laughs) Hold on just a second. Good timing. Yeah. Okay. There, but yeah. So I just thought that all that was really, interesting. And when I was reading that part of your book, I was thinking, yeah, I think a lot of people were sort of exploring, you know, different angles of of that situation that people might not automatically think about. Yeah, it's just a weird coincidence that that year, three of these movies came out and they all were, I think, Knocked Up was also 20th Century Fox. Uh, so Knocked yeah. Up was one of them. Uh, it was with Catherine Heigl and Seth Rogen. And that was just a drunken hookup that results in a pregnancy, but they don't really know each other that well. Right, right, right. And uh, then you said Juno, which was Fox Searchlight, as was Waitress. And uh, that whole different situation with being a teenager. And then you have this one. And yeah, Shelley, uh, uh, Adrian Shelley had said that, you know, she experienced a lot of fear about motherhood. I, I don't. She wasn't in an unhappy marriage. Uh, her husband is actually has a cameo in the movie uh, as an extra in the wedding scene, and um, so she she wasn't she didn't have that unhappy marriage in her life, but she did have that that dread and that that fear. She wasn't looking forward to it at first, uh, and she found out as she talked to other women who were mothers, and uh, she found out that that was actually a common thing that nobody talked about. And so she thought, well, there's there's a good uh, thing to explore in a movie because nobody. This is a real fear that a lot of women have. They don't just say, "This is great. I can't. I can't wait. I'm so blessed that I have this child in me." Not every woman thinks that. Every woman thinks that way, and that's what she wanted to explore. And I, I guess she chose to do that with by putting her in this terrible, terrible situation with this horrible <laughs> husband. Yeah, because like in Juno, I can understand that one to general audiences being more popular because like I said, I think if it's a teen pregnancy, people automatically can understand why that person wouldn't want to be in that situation. But I think, you know, to explore why someone who's married and older, able to have children fairly comfortably, why would they have fears and reservations? And so, yeah, I think that was really, this is a pretty smart way to explore that, that, you know, now we're at a point where 
people are exploring stuff like that much further. But in 2007, it's kind of like people are dipping their toes into this idea, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. She has a, a very terrible husband. Well, I think we should get one of, you know, I, I normally I share a bunch of fun facts, but there is one big fact about this it's movie that is fun, pretty yeah. tragic. Yeah. And I think we should talk about it. And that's that, you know, Adrian Shelley was unfortunately murdered. And I don't think she, did she get to see the film completed? It was locked. It had already been sent to Sundance and it had been accepted, but they hadn't notified the filmmakers yet. So she wasn't, she didn't get to know that it was going to Sundance. Gosh, it's awful. I, I was so surprised when I read that, that I even started reading news articles about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically, there's two different versions of the story I found. One of them, like the initial confession by, the, well, they thought it was a suicide. Uh, they found her hanging, I think, in her bathroom. But yeah, her husband... A- or, was an, she kept a uh, separate oh, apartment as an office. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And her husband was like, there's no way she was happy. This That can't be what happened. And they found like a shoe print. And it turned out that a, a construction worker had done this. And I think initially the construction worker claimed that, you know, they got in a fight. But then there's other versions. He had multiple confessions. Mm-hmm. And one of them was also just that he thought she was easy prey because she's very small. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's fuzzy. It's not really sure what exactly the motive was, but it was like senseless and random, you know? Yeah. 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 Tragic. And yeah. And he staged, staged it to make it look like a suicide. Right. And and I think, yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. So that kind of looms over the film. We don't know, you know, we lost somebody very talented and we don't know what she would have gone on to do i think this was her first film right it was actually her third uh, oh, she third. Had starred okay. in a lot of no budget indie films with uh, a guy named hal hartley uh directed mm. them and then she made a couple of her own that were much 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 lower budget than this oh gotcha um, okay and then this was uh the next step up and this was her first one that had gotten to sundance and it's certainly i mean you can see the movie it's 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 such a well-made movie that you can see this this was the turning point in her career. She definitely would have had a lot more stories to tell. We'll yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, for it to go on and become a musical too, mm-hmm. um, just that's pretty impressive. And yeah, exploring a lot of themes uh, and, and visual choices, I think, in the movie too, like with the you know, every time she's the character's stressed, she thinks about a pie recipe yes. and they show the pie recipe. I thought that was brilliant um but just a, yeah a lot of touches that you could see her like potentially going on to doing like you know maybe a big budgeted you know disney film or a family film or something like that it, it just felt like there were seeds of that while watching this yeah yeah she uh everybody who worked on it said that she had this this vision that was so specific she unlike most directors she knew every she saw the whole movie in her head and you know i mean directing is being asked thousands of questions a day and having to come up with decisions on the spot. And she didn't really, they weren't decisions for her because she already saw the movie. She knew what she wanted. And a lot of the times the, the, the actors and other people were questioning her. I don't know how that's going to play because it is such a unique balance of whimsy and darkness. Mm-hmm. And they were yeah. never really sure how it was going to play, but she always knew exactly how it would cut together. Yeah, I think she touches on some kind of, you know, serious things that the character is going through and almost like bringing light to certain situations that women find themselves in that are more complicated than they seem on the surface. I think her choosing a character that, you know, is sort of financially, um, I mean, manipulated by her (laughs) husband and someone that you know, doesn't have a, uh, what people would generally call in the, you know, in the corporate world, like a higher skill set, um, how that's limiting her from leaving her situation that she's in, um, the hiding the pregnancy from her boss, you know, technically it's illegal to fire someone for being (laughs) pregnant, but the movie kind of shows that, 
yeah, it might be illegal, but it happens, you know? It happens, it happens and it was a real fear for her, but it's also kind of funny how when she finally tells uh, her boss, he's like, yeah, so what? I knew that. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the, I guess there's sort of like a small town vibe maybe that Absolutely. gave her that fear possibly where oh. somebody's, you know, not doing something horrible seems like a act of compassion, <laughs> You know, to the rest of us, it's like, well, obviously you would never fire a pregnant woman. Like, that's like the, you know, the bare minimum to not do that. But, you know, in her situation, and I do think that a lot of people in the service industry and at jobs like that do have fears like that, you know, yeah. uh, being replaced or maybe your hours cut or whatever. So, like, I do think that's a legitimate fear. But, yeah, they kind of play it in a more, it, it's a serious topic, but it's not like this yeah, movie was- isn't weighing you down it's, it's it was so it's matter of fact things. that she expected that to happen mm-hmm. it, yeah and yeah. i kept thinking that it like the, in the movie it's like her her life is almost portrayed like oh it's so crazy and out of control and she's having an affair but i think you kind of summed it up really well when you're talking about in the beginning it's like there's all these external things that are happening to her <laughs> that are putting her in these situations she's not really She's not really at the wheel yet, and she yeah. gets to beat by the end of the movie. So I think that's also a very compassionate uh, viewpoint because I can't think of a lot of movies where women are having affairs and the female characters are portrayed as the hero. I yeah, thought that that's... was really interesting, too, because that's that's pretty taboo as well. Absolutely. They talk about that a lot on the commentary that, that you know, most people would say that's going to be an unlikable character you can't do that most studios would say that and again adrian just pulled that balancing act where you never really question it you just go with her anyway there's there's something that's likable about her anyway probably because we do feel a lot of sympathy for her because she's so stuck in her situation yeah i mean in order for it to work her husband has to be like frightening i mean i think in real life you could still have compassion or kindness towards someone even if they weren't in that situation but i recognize that for the purposes of the movie uh in 2007 that's why they had to do it that way i think we're kind of getting to a point where we could explore characters like that in a more positive light now but Mm -hmm. certainly that's a challenge you know to this day it's like you can have your donald drapers who are you know sleeping with tons of women, but you can't necessarily do that with the female characters. So right. um, it, it's, it's definitely interesting. I think, I think it shows too, like when it is a, a woman writing and directing it, she does have like a different perspective on those characters Absolutely. and those situations. Yeah. And plus yeah. it's Nathan Fillion and that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't yeah. even talked about the cast, but it's a great cast well, too. Well, let's not get away from the husband. The husband's played by Jeremy Sisto. And I think he's his, he's another example of that balancing act because mm-hmm. until he gets really mean, I mean, he's still an asshole at the beginning, but he's funny. He plays it really funny. There's a lot of laughs. If you saw it in a theater, they'd always got tons of laughs. And yet then there's that one spot. It starts when he stops her from leaving town for the pie contest. Mm-hmm. That's when he slaps her. And that's, right. when, that's when it turns a corner. And, and I think there were some more comedic scenes that came after that, that they ended up having to cut because the audience at that point, test audiences weren't really on his side. They didn't want to laugh with him anymore so much. Right. And I read that, like, uh, I think Carrie Russell said in the commentary that um, there were some darker scenes with him early on too, that they cut or they modified Mm -hmm. because it was like a little too dark. So like you're saying, they kind of have that balancing act. And also I think it's a good way to, make us understand Earl, like how bad he is. I think there's a lot of hints in the beginning that add up to something in the end. Like the fact that, you know, his wife doesn't have a car. Um, he, he has this speech about how, like, he's like, I provide everything for you. So you don't have to do these things. And she agrees, but really it's all about control. I mean, if she doesn't have a car, she can't go anywhere. Um, and if she doesn't earn her own money, like she has the waitressing money, but that's not a lot of money. And so he's keeping her financially tied to him as a way to control her. And I think for about half the movie, you could almost be like, oh, I feel sorry for him. He's just being paranoid because of the way she's acting. But then, yeah, when he it becomes physical, you're like, oh, okay, I'm seeing this for what it is now. 
the relationship has been bad for a very long time and she's been sort of on eggshells skating around it. Um, and it, it made me even question if her being pregnant was part of a, a weird plan to keep her there. Cause she mentions that <laughs> she was drunk when it happened. I don't know. I was just like, this guy's really scary. <laughs> by He's then. also and a little so, too stupid to be thinking ahead like that. <laughs> true, true, true. That, that, that's very true. But it's like, you know, whether he's a hundred percent conscious of it or not, his actions are like preventing her from leaving him. But they're also causing her to hate him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. so like, I think it's easier to understand for the audience through that lens, like, okay, so that's why this woman is like married, but you know, this isn't the best timing, why she doesn't want to be there, why she wants to get out of it, why she can't just get up and walk away. Cause she, you know, financially can't yet. Um, I think they do a good job of kind of explaining all that. Yeah. And I think, you know, he's also, he is the villain of the movie, and we we can hate him and we do hate him, but at the same time, she does a good job trying to get us to understand him. It doesn't excuse the way he is, but we really see his insecurities come out. There's a time when he, well, I mean, all through the movie, he's he's telling her what to say verbatim. This is what I want you to say. It's, it's, he's controlling, of course, in a goofy way. But he also breaks down and cries after he finds the money. I mean, he's he's got some really strong insecurities. Yeah, I think he's got he's got a lot of issues. And also, I think he comes from a place of like, in his mind, this is how wives are supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. And here's all the things that I'm going to put in place to keep you there. And she's just like, it doesn't work, you know, because ultimately she maybe there's more of that traditional family thing going on there yeah i got the sense that the whole town is kind of tied to those old-timey <laughs> ideas because it seems like they're all pretty miserable <laughs> we find out later and it's like y'all need to just move <laughs> if you yeah. move out of here you can do whatever you want but yeah I, I agree that the movie is compassionate and that there's another side to that story yeah that insecurity comes from somewhere i'm sure mm-hmm. um but it, it also kind of proves that you can't make someone love you you know you can't yeah. You can set all these things up, but ultimately his fears are realized because, I mean, he knows she's unhappy, you know, I think he knows before she knows. Well, we haven't talked about Andy Griffith yet. Oh yeah. And you had, had mentioned to me that you thought about this movie because we covered the apple dumpling gang. So thank you for listening. (laughs) And yeah, I used to watch that show a lot. In fact, I have an aunt who's named B and we call her aunt B. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, it was really, this is a really sweet role, but kind of bittersweet knowing didn't he, he passed away not too long after this film. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't remember how many years, but yeah, it wasn't too long. Yeah. And he says, he keeps saying in the movie, like, I'm going to die soon. Or I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> it was making me sad. But I, I liked his character as this like cantankerous, uh, you know, diner guest. Yeah, he's all well. He's the owner of the diner. He's also oh, that's kind right. Of, he's the owner. He's he's the mentor character. He's kind of like an Obi Wan Kenobi to to her. He, <laughs> he's wise. He can tell things that that she hasn't told. He he can he guesses that she's pregnant. He guesses that she's having an affair. He knows these things. He's the one who tells her, you know, you're not just a waitress. That's the only time the title is ever mentioned in the movie is when he says, "You're not oh. a waitress. You're not a pie lady." Or I think he does call her pie lady, but you're not just a waitress. You're more than that. So he's, he's giving her that parting message, you know, trust the force, Luke, you know, before yeah. he dies. And also he's kind of like a moral balance too, because he yes. brings up his past about, he's like, Hey, I've made some mistakes. I've had some crazy relationships and <laughs> you know, my third wife, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, whereas some characters might be very judgmental, he's had kind of a Rocky up and yeah. down. And so he's like, I see the situation you're in, <laughs> you know, and, and he's compassionate towards her and that really ends up benefiting her obviously in the end. But yeah, I thought he played that character really well. I love when he's reading uh, the horoscope to her and she's yeah. like, it doesn't say that. <laughs> I love when he's describing the pie to her. Well, how much that her oh, pie yeah. means to him. That's, that's so, such a sweet scene. Yeah. Well, I don't think we've talked about Carrie Russell yet. Oh, she's great. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, obviously she's most famous for Felicity, right? Right. 
And um, I don't think I've seen her in a ton of stuff, if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> so I really enjoyed her. She was also oh, on ahead. a show called The Americans. And I think that's actually oh, eclipsed. Oh, yes. Yeah. I haven't I seen that show, but that is like a super popular show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked her in this movie. It definitely gave yeah, me I, a new appreciation for her. Yeah, when I first saw it, I didn't know that much about her because I never watched Felicity. I knew that she was in it. I knew that there was some <laughs> some controversy about her haircut or something. Oh yeah, when she cut her hair really short. I never watched it, but I was young when that movie came out or that show came out, so I was aware a lot of my friends were watching it and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah I knew it was popular, but I, yeah, I didn't know much about her until I saw this movie. And boy, you know, it, it is it's it's tricky to take what's on paper on the page and turn it, you know, just make that work when you have this this thing that's so tonally unique. Mm-hmm. For for her to have carried this whole movie, she's in almost every scene. Yeah, you're right, and <laughs> and yeah, she's saying things and doing things that aren't necessarily endearing, and yet she's able to. You have so much compassion for her character, and and you totally get where she's coming from the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like that she has that superpower of of being able to make these incredible pies, and she's aware of it, but she also doesn't give it that much as much credit as it deserves. She doesn't think of it as, as being a great gift. Yeah. And also like her husband kind of puts it down too. Like he's yeah. like, they're okay, but you can't really, you know, you can't really rise above where you are now. I'm taking care of everything. Yeah. You're good. And then, you know, she kind of has this waitressing job and they have that typical diner boss. It's like kind of yelling at everybody all the time. I, I could understand yeah. why in her position, she's like, this is it, <laughs> you know, but through the movie and through old Joe, she learns that, you know, her pies are really something special. Yeah. And, and I like that idea um, because I think it's true that, um, you know, pie making doesn't necessarily sound like a career, but it is, you know, there's a lot of people that do open bakeries and, and making something delicious that people want to eat yeah. is important. And so I, I, like I mean, that she part. had a sense that if she entered the contest, she would win. Yeah, so that's she, true. She knows she's, that's a skill. But, uh, you know, she didn't think it was all that special. And, yeah. And we know, we know differently from looking at those pies. Yes, they look delicious. <laughs> Again, it helps that I really like pies. Yeah, um, yeah go ahead. Then there's uh, Nathan Fillion. Uh, he plays the gynecologist who she has an affair with. And <laughs> what's really interesting about that is, is um, how he is, uh, he's, she's attracted to him because he's complimenting her. He's listening to her. He, he does everything the exact opposite of what her husband does. She's just not, she says, I'm not used to saying things and having them matter to people because she, she'll, you know, her husband's in his own little world, you know, his Nathan Fillion gives her this really nice compliment. And then in the next scene, her husband is his, his idea of a compliment is your boobies are getting bigger. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's like actually pretty much everyone in her life, you know, like I said, like her boss and stuff, they, I mean, they treat her, they think of her as the waitress, you know, and I think uh, this new doctor that's from like a bigger city and has never met her, he's seeing her with like fresh eyes. And you're right, I think the whole reason for the affair too is really just anybody that would treat her better than Earl, she's going to be attracted to. (laughs) And I feel like they do a good job even with Jim, uh, with Dr. Jim Pometer. Pometer, yeah. Um, they do a good job with his character where I feel like he falls for her because she's in so much danger. And he's like, I don't know, there's like a weird connection of like him being a doctor and being like a lifesaver and caring for people. It's like he gets swept yeah. up in that with her. And at one point in the movie, she even says like, you, you can't save me from this. But you can tell he like wants to like almost like if she wasn't in that situation, I don't know that they would have gotten together, but it's like, it's kind of funny that he, he, he's white knighting so much that that happens. Well, (laughs) there's, there's that same scene is uh, she talks about how the baby's a parasite and it makes her weak and and, and tired all the time. And he looks at her and said, no, 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 you don't understand. You're beautiful because you have, and that's his profession. He is a uh, OBGYN. He's obviously must believe that, you know, the, the, the the miracle of life and all that. And, And so he's, he's being very genuine when he, he, is attracted to that about her. You're absolutely right. He, you know, that's, that's a major part of their attraction. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, like, through this affair, she realizes, okay, like, there is a possibility of life without Earl, and it could Mm -hmm. be better. (laughs) And I think she kind of learns that through him. And she's definitely a mess. And clearly, he's making a mess of his own situation as well. As he keeps mentioning in the movie, he's like, this is really inappropriate and I shouldn't be doing this. Um, but it's like ultimately for her life to get better and move forward, they don't end up together, which I really like that, too, because I was like, that tornado of a relationship is not going to work out. <laughs> it's interesting. So. Yeah. So the first time she, uh, he has her come down to the office before it's open uh, for something that she didn't really need to come down there for. Right. And she questions him on that. She calls him out on it. And the, the their conversation, it's kind of awkward because he has that weird, awkward delivery of all his lines, which is just <laughs> that in itself just makes you laugh. But if you take that away, the situation is a little creepy. You know? It is. It's inappropriate. Like, oh, Absolutely. let's go to my office before it opens. And like the fact that he's in a gynecologist just makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, in real life, I would be like, how many times has this doctor done this? But I think in the context of the movie, they make him likable enough and kind yes. enough to where you're like, you don't assume that he's doing this all the time. It's like this weird situation. Right. And it's also funny, like, you know, Carrie Russell's character is getting herself into all kinds of situations throughout the movie that are complicated. It just seems to get worse and worse and worse until it gets to the very end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that scene we were talking about where they're in, in, uh, he comes over to learn how to bake a pie. Uh, we were, that's where some of the things we were just talking about are in that scene. That's my absolute favorite scene in the movie, and I, especially because of the song that she sings. She, she tells him about a song that her mother taught her when she was teaching her how to bake pies. And that's a mm-hmm. song that Adrian wrote. She wrote the lyrics to oh. it and they brought in a composer. And I always wished, I don't know why this didn't get any Oscar recognition. I have a hunch that it was because Fox Searchlight, which is really good at uh, Oscar campaigns, they had two unwanted pregnancy movies. Juno was getting more buzz. Waitress yeah. didn't have a writer-director uh, to go out and help them with the campaign. So I think that's why they dropped it. If they had done one Oh, a category. I wish they would have at least tried to get her a song nomination for that one song. Yeah. And it also ties in, I didn't even think about this till you, till you mentioned it because it's about her mother and she's pregnant with a daughter. Mm-hmm. There's a really big tie there as well. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and well, yeah, yeah she even ends up sweet. naming the, the pie diner at the end after her daughter. Yeah. Is. So there's like this strong mother daughter bond uh, with her mother and pie making and then her having a daughter and then her date. Yeah. It's like that it, it all comes full circle. I, I think you're really right about the, the story elements being very tight in a non-traditional way, but they all kind of connect to each other. Mm-hmm. And that uh, the baby at the end is actually Adrian's baby. Oh, wow. That's, and that's really sad. Every time I see that it scene, it's sad. such a, it's such a beautiful shot of, of Carrie walking away with her, but it is also very heartbreaking. Yeah. Wow. Gone too soon. Yeah. Uh, well, um, what are, what are some of your other favorite scenes that stick out to you in the movie? Mm. I do like the, there are other uh, flights of fancy where we go inside her mind in clever ways besides the pies. <laughs> uh, there's the one where she's her first visit to the gynecologist's office where she sees the other pregnant women and then we, we see them without their clothes on. <laughs> yes, she's, she's realizing, so oh my funny. God, this is what my body's going to look like. Because this, <laughs> this is in the period where she's still dreading the whole pregnancy. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I thought, I'm glad you brought that up. I did think that was really funny. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there are other scenes like that where uh, we, we lots of clever different ways to get inside her head. There's uh, when she sees an unruly child at the diner, yes. <laughs> and they they slow it down and they they play Wagner over it, you know, and and they, and they repeat that gag later on, uh, just before her water breaks. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty much what goes through my head in those situations. <laughs> I'm always like, oh no, um, I, I and I think that's so. It's such a sweet way of looking at that. I think that's so cool that, you know, like, like I said, that she was going through some of those emotions and realizing, oh, like we kind of in society act like being a mother is just like this natural thing that everybody just automatically feels great about. But she's kind of showing this more human side to her where, you know, she's having doubts and fears and it's being Mm -hmm. explored in some really fun and funny ways. Uh, What are your thoughts on 
uh, I can't remember the name of the the other waitress, but the waitress that has that admirer that she ends up like marrying. <laughs> yeah. Well, that actually was Adrian Shelley. <laughs> oh, okay, that's Adrian Shelley. I was I was, so that's the I was confused if it was she, her, the other girl. Oh, okay. Well, she, she she's really Dawn. adorable. Uh, well, in general, the two there's two other waitresses, and they both have their own subplots, and those subplots exist to give the main character alternate viewpoints of relationships. True. Uh, you know, she's, yeah, good she's point. in this terrible marriage. She's contemplating or going through with having an affair, uh, even though it's really against her morals. And then she, Becky, is having an affair. She finds out, and mm-hmm. so she's lecturing her and saying this is wrong, even though she's going through it too. Um, Which I feel like is very. That's really real. Yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like so much easier to see the flaws in someone else's situation than it is your own, for yeah. sure. And then with with Dawn, it's still the same thing. It's it's you know now Dawn is finding love with kind of an undesirable guy. At, at, at first, she doesn't like him, but then he grows on her. And and you know, we do get an indication that at some point in uh, in in uh, Carrie Russell's character, what's uh, uh, Jenna's life, early life with with Earl, that there was some love there. That there, you know, she didn't yeah. just marry the guy who just because he was controlling. I mean, at some point, no, early on he was probably a Romeo, and then yeah, and we get a couple. Switch of, we <laughs> get a couple other. of hints. There's a couple of lines dropped about how they had a good relationship at the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, and and she's kind of stuck with him, and and she sees that Dawn might be stuck with this guy. Uh, what did you think of the guy that uh, that she ends up marrying? That's uh, his name is Ogie. <laughs> <laughs> well i thought the scenes were poetry. funny um in real life i would be like that's inappropriate to hit on someone at their job and make them uncomfortable until you date them <laughs> i don't think that's a good idea just my opinion but i think the the actor played the character really well and it was funny and at least unlike earl you know he was not cruel or anything right. but i think like like you said the, the 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 other two waitresses um you know one of them having an affair her husband is I think old and mm-hmm. sick. Senile, so it's like, she says, we never, yeah. we never see him. <laughs> we never see him. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a, maybe a May, December romance situation where, <laughs> you know, um, and, and so that's going on with her. And then this thing going on with Dawn and yeah, she's kind of like, wow, a bunch of people aren't happy like me. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I think for a while she was sort of keeping everything a secret, hiding everything about her life because I think she had a perception that everybody else had their, their shit together and they don't. And so I think by seeing that she's able to be like, okay, what's well, actually okay that I'm unhappy and my life's a mess. I mean, I want to fix it. I don't want to keep doing this, but it, it kind of enables her to see that, you know, and, yeah. and, and like you said, to see different relationships. I was curious about your thoughts about Ogie because he's my least favorite character in the movie. And partly yeah. for what you, why you said, because he is relentlessly stalking her and, and, and uh, being inappropriate. Yeah. And, uh, also, uh, I think it, it, part of it might be, remember I said that, uh, J- uh, Jenna is in every scene of the, almost every scene of the movie. The only mm-hmm. scene she's not in is when he comes to the restaurant and, and sits down at the table with Dawn. And oh. I think maybe in my writer's mind, I was thinking, you know what? I'm more interested in Jenna's story. All these subplots are supposed to be about Jenna. And I wanted to see her in that scene and maybe I was missing her. But the ironic thing is in the musical, they actually expanded his role. And <laughs> and he steals the show. <laughs> That's very strange. I, I you know I tried not to to be too judgy about the character just because I can go off on tangents. But yeah, yeah I agree with you. I I think this is sort of like an outdated portrayal of someone who's like you know quote unquote not going to take no for an answer. And I think right. in a grander sense, you know, in society, I, mean, I think that's a bad goofy. thing to perpetuate. But in the in this movie, it's goofy. So it's yes. like, you can kind of overlook it. It's right. more of like, he's just annoying. And also, there are some relationships where someone's like, I thought that person was annoying at first. And it was really sort of like a, you know, underlying attraction that they don't recognize yet or something. So maybe that's what's going on there. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, yeah but- to expand his role to where he's like, a main character seems I mean, Super not just to make it, he really steals the show. People, you know, he has a couple of show-stopping numbers, and he gets the most How applause. Weird. And I think maybe the, the that writer of that one was like 
Oh, that's me. I could also myself. do the cast. When I saw it, I saw it in Los Angeles, and I think the actor who played Ogie was the only cast member that I saw it with who was in the original Broadway cast. So oh, he had, maybe okay. it had been doing longer, maybe it had been tailored for him. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's surprising to hear, but like you said, sometimes when they adapt it for something else, it changes a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. But I can understand, like, seeing this first, I'd be like, that's the guy I don't like. Why would I want to see more of that guy? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I know what I can tell you. Here's an interesting story. So when I uh, had the idea to write that uh, book about Waitress, I have this little uh, networking group that I meet with uh, every two weeks, and we talk about what projects we're working on and see if anybody can help us with anything. And so I, I told them about it because I wanted some of them to read the first draft and, and give me notes. And when I mentioned that I was doing it on, on Waitress, one of the girls in the group who I'd known for a while said, get out of here. My husband was a cinematographer on that. And I did not know wow. that up until that point. Oh, that's a really cool connection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. It is so shot I, really well. <laughs> it absolutely is. And I, I, I'm not just saying this because I know him, but it really, the lighting does add so much to it. It is, she was going for kind of a fairy tale quality and it has that warm light the whole time through. And, and, and you can see the differences when, when we're in her head and when we're not. And, mm -hmm. you know, when, when she's, there's a scene where she's in the kitchen uh, of the diner alone, kind of lost in her thoughts, making the pies and just the warmth from the light is just so amazing. And, and the, the colors of the pies are also, I mean, they had a special, a pie specialist flown in to make those Technicolor pies at the end, but oh, it was really? amazingly shot. Yeah. Well, and also like, I like the color palette of like, you know, of the whole movie but you know they're in these sort of traditional diner outfits and then you know when she ha when she opens up the diner it's all these like primary colors Absolutely. and she's got yeah. that very yellow yes very technicolor and it's just it's very dreamlike yeah you know? and it's 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 kind of i mean you know they have andy griffith right there right it kind of reminds mm -hmm. you of of that era but sort of like a more modern take on you know the woman that is the waitress and a pie maker like is the main character now and is like, you know, sort of mm -hmm. the uh, she's got this big dream and it's, it's being realized. And like, I don't know, I just liked how she kind of tied sort of those traditional elements with a more like, I guess under a more modern lens uh, for that particular character. So I don't know. I just liked all those elements together. Oh yeah. Yeah. And also on the ending, um, you know, the, this just struck me when I was rewatching it the other day just for this uh at the end when she has the baby and um she turns to earl and confronts him for the last time and <laughs> yeah. all she says is you know if I, i'm through with you uh if you come near me again i'm gonna flatten you and and, and that got cheers at sundance i've heard uh <laughs> <laughs> and i thought you know another movie would probably want to make that more of a uh you know a, a decisive victory for her. i mean because at any point in her marriage, she could have turned around and said to him, I'm through with you, leave me alone. And he would have slapped her. And why yeah. he doesn't hear me is it's not about her winning. It's not really about her escaping from Earl. It's about her learning that, uh, finding her inner strength to uh, find her, to voice her own, stand up for her own independence. And it doesn't yeah, matter I whether or not he listens to her. In fact, she deliberately uh, Adrian uh, Shelley deliberately has him go out of focus at that point. He's he is still arguing, but with Nathan Fillion, and they both go out of focus because that's not important to her anymore. That's really true. They they could have made this movie centered on sort of like a, a domestic violence situation because in some ways, I mean, that is kind of what's happening. He's controlling mm -hmm. her. He's abusive, but also I think it's almost like she had to be in the most extreme fearful situation specifically with him to realize she could just leave, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think she couldn't imagine, you know, she was already daydreaming about leaving him, but mm -hmm. she couldn't really do it. Then she gets pregnant and she's like, well, now things are worse. <sighs> and then when she has the baby, she's like, you know what? I'm just going to blow up my life and start over. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. I'm done dealing with all this. That's what I'm going to do. And it's almost like, she has to be in all these terrible situations where like, you know, she's pregnant when oh. she didn't want to be. And then she has an affair and like, she's blowing up her life and she That's realizes it doesn't really matter. Like I, I can start over 
in all that it's almost like essence. all her fears had to happen for her to do well, that that's the essence of the hero's journey the hero yeah. thinks that they're going to find one way out going to the pie contest i mean the hero's already in a world that's broken in some way and they're mm-hmm. trying to find a solution they think it's going to be the pie contest or they think it's going to be uh having an affair will bring her happiness and she needs to go this is any hero's journey story they need to go on the wrong path to learn these things as they go and then they, they pick up tools along the way so that they recognize it. And she is steadfast against the baby from the first frame of the movie. She said, I don't want this baby. I think the first pie is I don't want Earl's baby pie. You know, <laughs> the, first, the first pie she invents on, on the, in the movie. And uh, all the way through the end, even when she has the baby, there's this incredible shot where she turns away. And the camera yeah. holds on her face for a real long time. And you hear the nurse in the background talking to her and saying, can you hear me? Are you all right? Boy, do I know what that feels like. You know, if, if you've ever been in a situation where you've passed out or, you know, anything like that, 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 that captured that feeling. Hmm. Such an amazing yeah. shot. And that's yeah. just before she turns to Earl and, and confronts him that way. Yeah, because in in reality, like she, it's not that she doesn't want to have children. She just didn't want to have them with Earl. Right. She didn't want there to be one more thing that keeps her in this really bad situation. She didn't want that life. It wasn't the yeah. baby, but she thought wrongly thought that the baby was then going to keep her there. And yeah, she realized, and no, luckily, he doesn't have to. Or she right. She have. was like, "I'm taking me and this baby out of here," <laughs> you know, which I'm sure is better for her and the baby. Um, and, but and yeah. of course, she makes that decision before she knows that Andy Griffith has left her that money. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise, it, right. it would it would it would undercut her a little bit. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And he left her that money because he was like, "This guy's awful, and your pies <laughs> are delicious, and like you need to get out of here." <laughs> so he made the right choice. Yep. Well, uh, was there anything else, any scenes we missed or anything in your notes that we haven't covered yet? Um, I think we covered a lot. Did you have favorite scenes? Um, What's your favorite pie? My favorite pie? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, I don't know if it's my favorite pie, but I liked the look of the pie that she brings to her doctor when she thinks it's still the other doctor. Uh Uh-huh. The first one? Yeah, the very first pie is very colorful. It looks like Lucky Charms. It's the yeah. marshmallow mermaid pie. Yes, that looked delicious. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't know what's in that, but you know, I would eat it. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. That was something else I wanted to talk about. How well this movie does these what you know these reversals, these these setups and and, and callbacks. Uh, so the first time she goes to see who she thinks is going to be her regular doctor, not uh, Dr. Mueller, not knowing that she's not there anymore. She brings Dr. Mueller's favorite pie, the marshmallow mer- mermaid pie, a girly, you know, fun pie. And then it's this dude who she's never seen before and she doesn't want to give him the pie. Then <laughs> later on when she's in an affair with him and she's bringing him a uh, naughty pumpkin pie and he's, <laughs> he's, she gets there and finds out he's not there that day. He had to go to uh, out of town for a funeral. And now she's got this naughty pumpkin pie and her old doctor, Dr. Mueller is there and she's got it. So it's a complete reversal of the first time. Yeah. And also I didn't think about this, but she tells her doctor like, no, you're the doctor that delivered me. Or she was like, mm-hmm. that was a doctor that delivered me the doctor I had my whole life. And it, it seems to be this theme of like her being afraid to sort of like break out of old patterns because that's the way it's always been. Oh, and this is like the point. very start of her realizing, like, I don't have to do things the same way forever just because I've always done them that way. I hadn't thought about that. That's a great point. Yeah, I like that callback. Um, and then there was the, the running gag with, the you know, call me if you have any questions or concerns. And then later <laughs> on, she throws that right back in his face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so good. Yeah, I liked that. I, I Like I mentioned before, I liked all the scenes with, Andy Griffith sort of being not the male version of her, but just somebody that, like you said, a mentor in Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. somebody that can really understand her and see her. That's not a romantic interest because although it's great that Nathan Fillion is, is so kind to her and, and all that stuff, she needs like one more character that she's not in a relationship with that she can turn to. And, you know, when he leaves her that money, it's not a romantic connection. It's like, she kind of had to get away from stuff like that to, to sort of yeah. blossom. Because she ends up, you know, raising that baby on her own. She didn't need mm-hmm. somebody to do that for yeah. her. She could do that herself. So it's kind of cool too. 
Um, yeah, I think those are kind of like my favorite parts. Cool. Well, I guess this brings me to my last couple of questions for you then. Uh, why, you know, why did you choose to, to write a book specific? <laughs> you, you kind of mentioned this already, you know, why you, you, you picked this as one of the movies to write uh, notes, screenwriting notes about. But um, if you could summarize it, you know, why did you do that? Why have you seen it so many times? Why, why does it stick so much in your memory? It's it's like you said. It's, it is just something that kind of stuck with me. I, I saw it the one time. I enjoyed it enough to buy the DVD, and then as I can watched it, uh, it put me in a good mood, and I would watch it again, and I would watch it again, and and then once I really studied it to write that book, I fell more in love with it. So, yeah, I think one really appealing thing about this story is it's kind of fun seeing a character, <laughs> all their worst fears happen. And then once they happen, they deal with them and then they move on. It's like, there's hope, you know, even if you're in a bad situation and a lot of things are being thrown at you, like this character learns they're strong enough to handle all those obstacles. And it's kind of done in a sort of lighthearted way. And, and like you said, it's, it's very warm and it kind of wraps up in a very yeah, it's, positive it's light. Real, it's a real feel-good movie, even though it has all that darkness in it. it, it you come away just feeling uplifted. You know, I, I wish, you know, I, I, kinda, I, I moved to a rural town partly because movies, not just that movie, but a lot of movies like that set in rural towns, they appeal to me. I've, never li I've only lived in big cities until last year. Oh, and wow. I've, I've recently moved to a small town because it, they look so nice in the movies. <laughs> You know, they look so peaceful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. I I I had a experience this year where, you know, we, we bought a house recently, so we moved to we were kind of already in the suburbs, but you know, now we're really in the suburbs. And then I, I rewatched the movie The Burbs and I was yeah. like, Whoa, this is like this is my life now. <laughs> like I understood that movie so much more this time. Um yeah. so there there is something to that. Um how how do you pitch this movie? To someone that hasn't seen it before, um, it's a movie that's going to make you want to eat some pie afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah, I um, you know, I, I have to admit, when I first watched the movie, I watched it under the lens of like decisions I would make, and right. they're not the same ones that the character would make because I'm not the same person as the character. I, I like that it, um, you know, after I kind of digested it and thought a lot about it, I, I like the way it explores a different situation, a different choice. And, you know, how this, this character handles all these obstacles in their own way and finds their own, you know, truth and resolution to all of them. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. And um, I think that it's a, it's a good film that explores a lot of themes that are kind of, like you said, a little dark, but done in a really, in a really uh, good way. Well, I think what you said about the decisions that, that were made that wouldn't be the ones that you would make is, is a lot of why we like these heroes journey types of stories is because yeah. we get to experience the wrong path vicariously through a, a, a harmless movie. And then we learn from <laughs> that along with the character and see how they can emerge transformed and victorious at the end. Yeah. And I do want to stress, it's not me judging her as a character. No, I think not. just, you know, I wouldn't do that, but it's not because I think she's a bad person or anything. <laughs> I hope yeah, it doesn't I, I seem think... like that. <laughs> yeah, one of the actors said that on on some of the extras on the DVD. They said, you know, Adrian didn't gets away with writing characters who do bad things because she doesn't write them judgmentally. Yeah, yeah. That's something. In and my yeah, and, and, and to be to honest, I'm not sure I even think the things she does are bad. But right. um, I think she makes her situation more complicated, um, and there are better ways to go about it. But yeah, I never get the sense that she's like a bad person or anything. Yeah. And I think that's really compassionate and a, a good way to, to view that character. Well, yeah, she has this line at one point where she's talking about selling her baby and she tells uh, Dom, says, <laughs> she says, uh, I'm sure says, every parent's thought of that at least once. <laughs> Let's be and she says to Dawn, you know, Dawn says, oh, don't even talk like that. And she says, look, uh, I don't want, I, I respect this baby's right to live and I'll eat right and everything, but uh, I, I'm not, I'm not jumping for joy about having it. And that doesn't make me a bad person. And I think that was Adrian's theme. Yeah. I think that that was hard. I mean, it's still hard for people to wrap their mind around, <laughs> but I think especially in 2007, I feel like maybe a lot of these movies came out around that time because that was sort of in the, yeah. in the pop culture consciousness, like exploring 
these concepts that were previously thought of as like taboo, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and looking at them from different angles and different situations that people might find themselves in and why they might be thinking about these things. And it's, I mean, since then it's evolved way more than that, you know, to where we have movies that couldn't have been made in 2007. So it's, it's interesting to see, you know, that, that progression for sure. And right. I, I, I appreciated it. I thought it was good. Cool. Well, I'm glad um, you liked it. I'm glad I could turn somebody onto it. <laughs> yes, thank you. And and you know when I put it like in the Facebook group, I saw people hitting like, and so clearly they've seen this movie or oh, at good. least the musical. So I must have missed yeah. that post. Yeah, and and on Twitter. Well, I I yeah I did it uh, a little while ago. I didn't do it right when I started the movie because I frequently do that where I start watching it and then, and then I'm like oh no and I forgot to post about it so I posted it. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you start watching it and then you change your mind and, and cancel the episode. <laughs> No, 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 that hasn't happened yet, thankfully. <laughs> but but sometimes I'll watch it, and then a couple days later, I'm like, I never posted about it. Oops. Oh, okay. So sometimes I have to be like, now watching, but I've already seen it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you so much for coming on, Danny. I really appreciate it. I appreciated the you know the research that you did, the time that you put into this, and you know showing me a movie that I I had never seen and, and ended up really liking. Well, thank you for having me having me back. Of course. Oh, do you do you need to do any plugs? Sure, I can talk yeah, about ahead. script tips. Um, yeah, go for it. So uh, I don't do a lot of social media, but I am um, on Twitter as script tips s c r i p t i p p s, um, and I do tweet out a, uh, a screenwriting tip every day. Um, and also if you're interested in the, the book about waitress or any of the other scripted books that I wrote, I think there are only about 12 of them, uh, go to scripttips.com. That's again, it's S C R I P T I P P S.com. And, uh, you can find the links to buy them. They're only available in, uh, on the Kindle and as EPUB books on Google play. Great. Well, th thank you so much and hope to have you back soon. Thank you. 